0: Hello everybody, happy Easter once again. I like what uh, Max had to say, man, if, uh, if your kids get noisy, <laughs> turn off the TV. You've got the remote, so you're in charge, and uh, so you make yourself right at home. You know, I was thinking, uh, it is Easter, and it's pretty exciting to realize that the one true God sent his son Jesus to the earth. And the world crucified him. He carried the sins of the world, and he was buried in a grave, and on the third day he rose. And being March last month, I missed March Madness. How about you? And I was hoping that the Wisconsin Badgers, man, they would make a run for it. And you you know the emotion. You know, they're in a, they're in a tight game. And one of the Badgers drains a three-pointer with one second left to put a win on the scoreboard. What happens? Do you just sit there? You know, do you just chill? Hey, man, that was cool. No, no, you, you show some raw emotion. So I want to encourage you same way with Easter. Jesus Christ coming out of that grave, walking out of the cemetery, he's alive and we get to live for him because he's living inside of us when we put our faith in Christ. So we celebrate that. Once again, we want to welcome you and uh, want to encourage you to get a copy of the notes, the outline that's going to be uh, talked about in just a few moments. It's always cool to fill in the blanks. It makes you feel like you're back in school again. And... Um, The other thing is you can track with the Bible verses along the way. Um, Also, if you're watching on the church website, you want to go to the video player. uh, The copy of the notes are there. Or if you're on Facebook, uh, there's a link in the comments section. So once again, uh, get involved, plug in, and stay active with the talk. Also, if you have a Bible... We want to encourage you to grab your Bible and open it up. We're going to be camping out in the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 24, this morning. It's a great message, man, for Easter morning. And, um, follow, <laughs> you can follow along, so, uh I'm debating on what I'm going to do right now, just, uh, just so you know. I'm being very transparent. Uh, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 24, uh, picking up at verse 1. And uh, this is Easter morning, first time. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead Remember what he told you back in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he had said this. And so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else. Jumping down to verse 11. So they went and did that. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. Isn't that crazy? Huh? What happened? What's wrong with these dudes, man? It sounded like nonsense. And so they didn't believe it. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's kind of sad, considering the many times Jesus had told the disciples that uh, he was going to be raised on the third day. So, anyway, that's... That's where we're at. So before we jump into uh, the outline, let's pray. Father, once again, we're grateful for Easter Sunday, for Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather around your word, the living word, the Bible. Man, it's relevant. It's powerful. It transforms lives. May it do that in each one of us today as we read it and obey it. We pray your blessing on each person, Lord, watching today. May they sense your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Jerry picked up an innocent-looking envelope from his mailbox one day. He opened it, and inside was an invitation. It happened to be an invitation for his 20-year reunion of his Bible college graduating class. He had graduated from the school, spent three years as a youth pastor, before losing his job because of a huge church conflict. Well, Jerry was frustrated, he was disillusioned, and he walked away from ministry and pursued a career as a police officer. He was good at the job and um, he earned numerous awards and citations, but the environment of being a police officer took a toll on his commitment to the Lord. Within a year, he stopped going to church. He was hanging out at a bar near the precinct station after work. He got married. He got divorced twice within five years. And he fathered a son that he hardly ever saw. And so you would say, you know what? Things were not looking the greatest in Jerry's life. But when he opened up that invitation, man, it just exploded. It stopped him cold because the front of the card was a picture of his graduating class and he happened to be on that picture. In fact, he was in the third row, fourth over from the left. Standing next to him was his roommate and best friends. And guess what? They were grinning ear to ear. Suddenly, Jerry felt a wave of raw emotion. And to be honest, it was a uh, it was a rush of regret. He realized he had made some bad decisions the past few years of his life. And then he realized he had changed a lot, and it wasn't for the best. And though he had been successful in the world's eyes, yeah, he he got all these awards and citations, Um, he was ending up empty on the inside. And so, staring at his own smiling face on that invitation, he started to wonder, How many years has it been since I lived a fulfilled life? Well, the good news was that very day, Jerry got on his phone and he called his old roommate and they talked. And Jerry ended up going to the reunion, reconnecting with some old friends, and in a small way, but it was the first step of his journey back and reconnecting with his relationship with Jesus Christ. Now what's cool about this is that God used a 20-year reunion invitation to get Jerry's attention. Why did he do that? Because God loved Jerry. Because God wanted that relationship to be restored. And because Jesus came out of the grave over 2,000 years ago, he is walking up and down the streets, sidewalks, fields of the world trying to connect with human beings because that's his desire that they would be reconciled back to his father. So today, um, the title of today's talk, Jesus Brings Hope to the Hopeless. And uh, (laughs) man, what what has been going on in our country the last month, month and a half? Global pandemic, social distancing, and more. You know, how's that going for you? how's that working out? Well, here's the deal. The coronavirus, uh, it's kind of putting distance between human beings. But there's a coronavirus of sin that entered the world all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And when that sin entered the world, man, chaos was unleashed. Bad things happen. We live in a broken world because of it. And this coronavirus of sin, we need to pause and ask ourselves, Jesus came, he died for that coronavirus sin that I carry within me. It's a virus, it will kill me, it will keep me away from a holy God. Jesus brought the antidote when he went to the cross. He brought a solution. And so this Easter morning we all have an opportunity to put our faith in him. We don't have to live with the coronavirus of sin. We can be forgiven. That virus can be evacuated out of us so that we can live with a holy God throughout all eternity. Man, I tell you what, that is exciting. That is exciting. And so today, we are going to take a look at chapter 24 of Luke. We started it. And, um, Jesus went to, the, went to the cross that uh, first Good Friday, and when he breathed his last, it was really a victory shout. But everybody around the disciples, they looked at it as a big defeat. In fact, Satan thought he had defeated Christ. And so those who had hoped in Jesus left that area filled with despair. Now, Max Licato It was a great way of putting it, this April that we're living in. He said, this isn't the April we wanted. We wanted spring training. We wanted to go to church on Easter Sunday. (laughs) Your home is your church today. We wanted a weekend trip to see spring flowers. But this April, well, this isn't the April we wanted. But this is the April we've been handed. Daily reports of disease and death, an economy that's in free fall, dwindling supplies, another 30 days of distance and isolation, and most of all, a month of fear. We fear for our family. We fear for the health of our health workers. We fear this microscopic COVID-19 culprit that stalks our streets like a thief. So we need to brace ourselves, adjust our expectations. April, as we want it, will not happen. Have you noticed? God willing, it will reappear in 2021, but the 2020 version It's time for a deep breath, a steady resolve, and a few decisions. God is still in charge. Aren't you glad for that? He is still Emmanuel, God with us. Heaven still awaits. The tomb of Christ is still vacant. Woo! I like it. It's vacant. Children still laugh. Grass still turns green in April. Oh, it's not the month we wanted, but it's the month we've been given, and we will get through it by the grace of God. That's, that's some good words, man, encouraging words. And when you look at the disciples, when Jesus was buried, they, man, their whole world collapsed. And they should have known better. Despair, you know, what they had expected of Jesus came crashing to an end, they thought. And so today we're going to take a look at two dudes walking on a road, and it's called the Road of Emmaus. So number one in your notes, going the wrong way. Who's going the wrong way? Well, let's look at verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things. So what were they talking about? They were replaying Good Friday. Good Friday. They were talking about, man, we thought, we thought Jesus was going to rescue us from the Roman Empire. All their expectations came crashing down, and they were filled with despair. Notice, they are leaving Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where Jesus is. They're walking the wrong way. How about you today? Which direction are you walking with your life? You know, Jerry... The police officer was walking the wrong way, away from God, and God got his attention. And Jury put his faith in Christ again. Why? Because he missed that relationship. He realized he was going the wrong way. That's exactly what was happening here. These two followers of Christ were so filled with anguish and despair, anxiety, that they walked away from Jerusalem to go back home. They were walking away from where Jesus is. Man, Jesus, you just don't want to do that, friend. You don't want to do that. Number two, Jesus shows up. Look at at verse 15b. Jesus himself, so these guys are walking to Emmaus. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. You see, God had a plan here. And uh, while walking away from Jerusalem, Jesus, Jesus comes walking up behind them and kind of taps them on the shoulder. And these two men, they figure, you know what? This is probably another one of those guys who's disappointed, just like we are. You know, he's, he's going to head back home, call it, call it quits, call it the end of the day. And um, here is the cool thing: what does Jesus do? He chases after him. Isn't that cool? Just like he chased after Jerry, the police officer. Man, he chased after him because they were walking the wrong way. He's chasing after you. Why? Because he loves you. And he's pursuing you. And he wants to have a relationship. So, Jesus shows up. I love it. I love it. Even though these two guys are bailing out on their faith, you know? They're going the wrong direction. Here we see a loving Savior, Jesus, monitoring their steps and their heartbeats. Of these despairing Christ followers. And for those of you that are even questioning. You know I don't think God could love me. Because I've messed up. You know what you talked about Jerry. Yeah he messed up. But I, I messed up worse than Jerry did. You know what? It's not true. Check out Psalm 139 17 and 18. It says how precious are your thoughts about me. Oh God. Think about that. How precious are your thoughts about me. Oh God. Man. They cannot be numbered. I, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. Aren't you glad for that? I want to encourage you, like Jerry, embrace the love of Christ again. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe the life has just beat you up. You, know, and you said, man, I'm not going to do this anymore. Jesus is pursuing you today. And what an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, you're reminding me you do love me. You do want to have a relationship with me, and I'm going to do it. So, Jesus shows up. And um, taking a look at number three now sinking into despair. So, we're walking through this text, going the wrong way. These two dudes are heading out of Jerusalem. Jesus knows where they're going, and he kind of trails him, and he shows up. <laughs> And he's going to get their attention. Sinking into despair, number three. Verse 17. So Jesus starts this conversation with them by asking a question. He says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? (laughs) He, He got the sense that these guys were pretty depressed. They were pretty discouraged. And it says they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Hey, how about you? How about you right now with the coronavirus going on? Is there sadness on your face? Huh? What's going on in your life? Well, once again, this is an opportunity God has of getting your attention. Because everything around you has been shut down. God is speaking. And we can listen to him. And the sadness written across their faces. Verse 18, then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. In other words, what's the matter with you? Where have you been, man? What planet are you from? Verse 19, Jesus is messing with them. He asks another question. He says, what things? And that, uh, that really got their attention. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped, check this out, we had hoped. See, they had expectations. That's, that can get us into trouble. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That, this all happened three days ago. Then some of the women from our group of his followers were at the tomb. So they, they heard about it. They, they saw it on the news, man. The ladies going to the tomb. And they came back with an amazing report. It's the two guys that are walking out of Jerusalem that hear this, and they still don't believe. And they said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see. And sure enough, his body was gone, just like the women said. What is going on with these guys, man? instead of believing what Jesus had said that he was going to be come back from the grave on that third day, they think they think somebody stole his body, which causes them to be more discouraged and filled with despair. Whew. Jesus, man, he is so patient isn 't he? He is so patient, so the reason the reason. Of their doom and gloom, it's interesting because the dialogue that they were having with Jesus—it's all in the past tense. If you look, he was a prophet; and he was a mighty teacher. We had hoped, so it's all past tense. They're, they're saying Jesus is dead; he's gone; it's over. There's no hope, and their 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 faith was slipping away as they were walking towards Emmaus. Why? because of their expectations. They thought they knew Jesus. They thought he was going to perform a certain way, and when he didn't, they crashed and burned. It's kind of like a five-year-old boy from Texas. He was told that, hey, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon on our next family vacation. And they described it to their son, man, it's bigger than the city of Dallas, and he could hardly wait to see it. And so when they finally got to the Grand Canyon, let's take, a, let's take a look at this Grand Canyon, by the way. No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. And guess what? God made it. God made that. That, is, that takes my breath away, man. Beautiful. That's where they went. So, so when they got there, they asked their son, hey, how did that measure up with your expectations? you know how he responded? He had a frown on his face. He said, I thought you said it was a big cannon. <laughs> I thought you were taking me to a big cannon. <laughs> and he was probably hoping when he got there, he'd be able to shoot the cannon. So when you're hoping for the the Grand Canyon, you can be let down by something as as spectacular as the Grand Canyon. Think about that. It's crazy, isn't it? It's all because of having wrong expectations. Whew, I can identify with this because there was a time in my life I had expectations how I felt God was going to work in my life, the doors that he was going to open. And when it didn't happen, you know what I did? I just, I just shut down. I felt sorry for myself, and I blamed God. I got angry at God. I got bitter at God. Kind of like these guys right here walking on that road of Emmaus. So I want to encourage you to be careful about your expectations. They need to be biblically sound. Not your interpretation of who God is and how he works, but what the Bible has to say about him. So we need to read his words and follow along. But notice these guys, they're leaving on Sunday. They're talking about the third day. Well, why don't they wait till sundown? They should have given the third day a chance. I mean, they could have even sit, stayed in the hotel another night till Monday just to make sure what was going on. Well, that empty tomb, it had to be somebody stole the body. That's what their assumption was. So the good news was bad news to these guys. That's pretty sad, isn't it? So I just want to encourage you be careful about your expectations. Number four, Jesus confronts their despair. You see, Jesus isn't going to leave these guys uh, crash and burn. He's going, to, he's going to deal with it. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What's Jesus doing? He's talking about all the prophecies about himself in the Old Testament. Jesus is confronting their despair. He's saying, you foolish people. Literally, that means not understanding, being unwise. In other words, they had the evidence in the Old Testament through prophecy that Jesus was going to be killed, buried, and rise again. Jesus said it over and over again. And so he's thinking... You know, even, even Pontius Pilate in Matthew 27, 62, 63, the leading priests, the Pharisees, went to see Pilate, and they told him, Sir, we remember that the deceiver once said that he, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise from the dead. They even believed it. These, the religious community. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. See, they, they understood it. And here we have the disciples, these two guys going to Emmaus. They're full of despair, discouraged, man. So what does Jesus do? Does he leave them in despair? No, he he confronts them. And then, number five, Jesus confirms who he is. This is great news. Verse 28, By this time they were nearing Emmaus, remember seven miles, And the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on. In other words, he was going to keep moving. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. (laughs) That's just like Jesus. He's messing with these guys. In verse 32, they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So here's the deal. These two guys are walking to Emmaus. Jesus is explaining the scriptures, and they're saying, Man, this guy, who man, he knows everything about the Bible. We're going to have him over for dinner so we can keep talking to him. This man, he is so wise. And while Jesus was talking to them, they're saying, man, our hearts, ooh, they were on fire. That's what happens when you read the Bible, by the way. I'm so glad I have the opportunity to read the Bible, God's word. I get to find out who God is, how much he loves me, the plans that he has for me, his character. Man, he puts fire in, on your inside. And so it says that they... They begged him to stay the night since it was getting late. Now notice, there's something interesting here. Jesus is the guest in their home. And here he takes the bread, he breaks it, he blesses it. See, that, that, that wasn't normal. And the hospitality of that day, man, if you had guests over, you would take care of that stuff. But Jesus himself takes the bread and he breaks it. And verse 31, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Now, did he leave? No. Just because you don't see Jesus doesn't mean he's not there. Just because you don't feel Jesus, it doesn't mean he's not there. That's where people kind of go off the rails. You know, they think, well, I don't... I, I don't feel Jesus. I, I I can't see Jesus, and so we rationalize, you know, he must have forgotten about me, he must not love me. Please don't do that. That's again, you've got to read the Bible consistently to see that he's not going anywhere. He's just invisible right now. Why? Because Jesus showed who he was. And that's what these two men did, man. It just boom. Connected the dots in their lives. And so notice these guys, after Jesus disappears, they didn't have a conversation and say, Man, wasn't that neat to see his glorified body? We've never seen anything like that before. Notice what they say instead of that. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Is that happening in your life? Friend, is that happening in your life? When you read the Word, when you study the Word, the Bible, when you have time with God, do do your hearts burn? Hmm? Because you stay out of the Bible, your hearts are going to stop burning. I'm telling you. Life will beat you up and spit you out. And so these two men realized there was a fire they could not contain it and guess what even though it was late putting them at high risk for thieves criminals to to steal rob them beat them up they didn't care they said we got to get back to jerusalem if only they would have stayed there you know it, it, they got a 14 mile trip that day and they could have just stayed in jerusalem and realized jesus was who he said he was anyway. So, great news, great news. That leads us to number six. Hope is resurrected. Hope is resurrected. Look at verse 33. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They had ba- to pack their backpack, put their water bottles in, their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for that seven-mile trip back, and they were... They found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. That's great news. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly was suddenly standing there among them. And what's he say? What's the matter with you dudes, man? Can't, can't you put your faith in me? Don't, don't you remember all the times I... No, no, no. He doesn't, he doesn't pick on him. Look at what he says. Peace be with you. Doesn't that resonate with you right now? Peace be with you. Just imagine Jesus standing in front of you with this coronavirus and all this stuff hitting the fan. Peace be with you. Wouldn't that help you sleep better tonight? Yeah. So just like Jerry had hope resurrected in his life he reconnected with his loving god that's what jesus wants to do in your life if jesus is alive there's no time to waste friend don't procrastinate don't rationalize get on with it make that chis- that decision that choice this morning So are you leaving Jerusalem? Are you heading to Emmaus in your life? It's so easy to do, isn't it? To leave where Jesus is. To leave him stranded, so to speak, in your life. Because you've got so many other things to do. And you're trying to keep him out of your personal life only when you need him most. Don't do it. Don't do it. I want to encourage you to stay in Jerusalem. Stay put. Don't run from your problems. God pours his grace into you. If these two guys would have stayed in Jerusalem, they would have saved themselves that 14-mile trip. So, peace be with you. So this group of disbelieving, despair-filled disciples, these these guys that deserted Jesus when he needed them the most, he says, peace be with you. Look, Look at the heart of God right there. Isn't that good stuff? Matthew twenty eight twenty in the message, it, it it confirms that I'll be with you, Jesus said, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Isn't that a great promise? I'll be with you. Day after day, day after day. He's not going anywhere. He's walking with you. He's speaking into your life. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive, and we're not alone. Years ago, um, when I started dating my wife, Debbie, her mom and dad, um, we would go out to eat occasionally, and then usually after church on Sunday, we'd go out to the restaurants. And Something I noticed about my father-in-law, he was a very generous man. And usually if there was a pastor in the restaurant, he would go up to the table and he said, I'll take that. I'll take that bill. And of course, the family, the couple, they would, you know, no, 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 no. But my father-in-law was persistent. He he said, no, no, I'm going to take it. I want to do it. And so they would let him take the bill. Well, someday you and I are going to stand before God and give an account of our life. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, you know what? I'd be terrified with that thought of standing before God to give an account of my life. Yet according to the Bible, Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. Isn't that great? In John one twenty nine, it says that, and on that day, when I stand before God, Jesus will remind me of saying, I took that, I paid that, I took that bill of sin, and I took it, and I paid it in full. There is no sin being held against you, because I've forgiven you. Isn't that great news? And so, I would like to encourage you this morning to entrust your life to the hero of Easter. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that today. Believe in the one who declared in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Isn't that great news? That's what Easter's all about. It sure is. The great love of God. For God so loved the world, John 3.16 says, for God so loved, it doesn't say for God so hated the world, it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. Whoever, that's anybody, whoever believes in him, in other words, puts all their weight, some of you are sitting on sofas, chairs right now, you've put your trust on that chair to hold you up. That's exactly what this word means. Believe. You're putting all your weight on what Jesus did for you. I believe it. I trust him. Well, when you do that, when you believe, Jesus says you will not perish. You will not be eternally separated from me, but you will have eternal life with my Father and myself. Great news. Great news. And so this morning, if you would like to start that relationship, to connect with your creator God, your loving Savior who paid for your sin debt. You can invite them in right now. I'm going to pray or say some words and you can repeat them after me if you would like to make that connection with the Lord this morning. Dear Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins on the cross and he rose on the third day. By faith I receive Jesus as my Savior and I place my trust all my weight on him. You promised to save me Lord and I believe you because you are God and you cannot lie. I believe right now that you Jesus are my personal Savior and that you have forgiven all my sins. Precious blood that you shed on the cross That first Good Friday I thank you Lord For saving me And by your spirit You will enable me To live a life honoring to you For the rest of my life In Jesus name Amen Amen So if that's you If you prayed I want to encourage you to contact lifechurchmh.com. There's a place you can, can go into and ask for uh, hey, I need some, I need some uh, information about what it means to be a follower of Christ. We would love to mail that to you, to connect with you and uh, help you grow in your walk with Christ. So happy Easter. God bless you. What a great day when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's sing together with the worship team and celebrate. Amen.